Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Hey friend, whenever you happen to be listening to this, I hope that this episode finds you well. I hope that you are thriving. I hope that you are prospering. And if you're not, I want to let you know that it's okay. You have a God that cares. You have a God that sees and you have a God that is acting on your behalf. I know you may not feel it right now. You may not be able to perceive it, but it's happening behind the scenes. So I just want to encourage you in this moment, if you're not feeling at your best self, that I want you to know that you even listening to this podcast is a sign that you have not given up. Not because this podcast is so great, which I think that it is, but it's a sign that you love you that you care about you, that you're still intent on investing in yourself, even when life may be hitting you with curveball after curveball. And that may even be an understatement. I know that a lot of us are dealing with some heavy things right now. The world sucks. (laughs) The economy is hard. Trying to be a person who is living intently and uh, determinately is difficult trying to be a person of character and ethics is challenging. And I think we'd be lying to ourselves if we said that it wasn't. So I say all of that just as a welcome, just as an encouragement, just to remind you that I am taking notice and God is taking notice that you have not given up, that you are still here. And for those of you that are doing well and that are thriving, use this as an opportunity to encourage your brother or sister in Christ that they can keep going. Share your testimony like we talked about um, a couple of weeks ago and let others know what God has done is doing and what you're faithfully waiting for him to complete in your life. And I guarantee you that that will be just what someone needs to keep going. So tonight we're going to go to an old school uh, story that many of you who are well churched and even probably some of those who are not would probably be familiar with. And that is when Jesus walks on the water. But we're going to be focused on Peter tonight. And so I'm going to read to you from Matthew chapter 14, starting at verse 22. And I think we're going to go back out verse, I said chapter 22, forgive me, Matthew 14, verse 42. And I think we're going to go to about verse 33. Now I'm going to chop it up because as I'm reading, I want to make some commentary because I really want to make sure that we understand this. This is a danger when we have a scripture that's familiar to us, that often we will already assume we know what the Holy Spirit wants to share. Um, And sometimes we do, right? Sometimes it's a general message. But I ask for you to really connect to see what it is the Holy Spirit would say specifically to you. Now, we're going to have a mini uh, Bible school lesson where we're going to talk about the difference really quick between the Logos and Rhema word. So the Logos is going to be a general word, a general word from God to his people. And that's what happens generally when scripture is read, that there is a general overall message for the listener. But we all have experienced a rhema word where something has jumped off the page, jumped out of that app, and really resonated with us. It's where we almost felt the Holy Spirit confirming something with us, teaching us something, answering a prayer, clarifying an issue that we've asked for clarity on. And it's specifically to us. Now, everyone got a word because every time the word is preached, read, taught, it has value. But a rhema word is something specifically for you. So I want to challenge you tonight to be intentional about receiving a rhema word from God. What is it that's going on in your life that this word is specifically wanting to speak to? 
really hone in on that, really concentrate. It can become so easy to get distracted um, externally, obviously kids, spouses, <laughs> uh, tasks, our phones, but also internally with our thoughts, our fears, our assumptions. And so I want you to just really hone in in this moment as we read what will probably be a familiar scripture for many of you. But I pray that the Holy Spirit does have a rhema word for you that really connects with you tonight and busts through some, maybe some spiritual barriers that have been holding you back. So starting at verse 22, it says immediately after this. And so again, for context, I would encourage you to read all of chapter 14. Uh, but it says immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Verse 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen. Uh oh, I lost my place. Sorry, a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Verse 29. Yes, come, Jesus said. So I'm going to pause right there for a second, right in the middle of verse 29. I want to talk about a few things. So when the disciples see Jesus walking on water, they reasonably assumed uh, something's not right. Who is that? <laughs> I want you to just implant yourself into that boat in the middle of that foggy sea, probably waves moving and you see someone walking on water. Now, whether you recognize that person or not, <laughs> it is reasonably and rationally um feasible that you would think it's a ghost, right? Even if you recognize the person, you're thinking human beings can't do that. <laughs> so something has happened. Something is off. They had every reason and every right to be terrified, right? And it says, but Jesus, understanding that they were afraid, said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Now, mind you, when we think of this story and the fact that Jesus had to be some distance off, close enough to see, right? But probably not standing right next to the boat because we know that Peter eventually gets out of the boat and starts walking towards him. So not only is Jesus aware of what appears to be far off, right? He can understand their feelings. He can understand their emotions, even though it may seem like he's not near them. Listen to me. Jesus was walking across this lake not likely very close to the boat. They're expressing feelings of anxiety, feelings of fear, feelings of confusion. And it says, he spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. He is announcing, look, you don't have to be afraid because I'm here. Whether you understand what my presence and how it's manifesting in this moment, whether you can see me clearly, whether it feels like I'm near you. You can take courage because you can know I am here. And that's speaking to someone right now who's going through a situation where Jesus is showing up, walking on water. He's showing up in your life, looking in a way you've not seen him before, doing something that you've not experienced him doing before. And it's confusing and it can be fearful and it can be terrifying. But hear Jesus when he says to you at once, meaning immediately, do not be afraid. Take courage, I am here. Jesus is with us. 
And that's something that we have to remember when we're facing these storms, when we're facing these unexpected circumstances, when we're going through something that's confusing, when we're going through something that carries all the traits that would lead us to be afraid. We can take courage because Jesus is with us and he's aware of what's going on with us, even when we cannot perceive him, even when we cannot perceive him. So it then says, then Dieter, uh, Dieter, Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Another version says, command me to come to you. Now there's some beauty in that because Peter is saying, Lord, if it's really you, how many times has Jesus appeared in our lives or have we perceived a situation or been going through something and we're like, okay, Lord, if this is you, I need you to make it clear right? Especially when it comes to making a decision, when it comes to stepping out on faith, when it comes to doing something, not only that we haven't done before, but we don't know anyone who's done it before. This is something we're going in completely blind. And we're like, okay, Lord, I want to have faith. I want to believe you for this. I want to take that first step. But Lord, I, I need to know first if this is you calling me to do it. And if you felt that way, then you're not alone. Because Gideon in Judges 6, if you're familiar with his story, he did something very similar. He wanted the Lord to send him physical signs uh, with some uh, wool, with some fleece by letting it be wet on one side or not wet. And a series of things to show like, okay, Lord, if this is really you, if it's you asking me to believe you, I need you to show me. And so one of the things that I find beautiful is that Peter says, if it's really you, command me to come to you walking on the water. What does that imply? You're so smart. It implies a couple of things. I love when you ask great questions. So the first thing that it implies is that Peter acknowledges Jesus' authority, that he will accept that it's the Lord if he commands him to come, because there's something about Jesus' authority that Peter cannot deny right? So he says, if it's you, command me to come to you. But also implied in that statement is that Peter had already made up his mind to be obedient because he's saying, Lord, if it's you, if you confirm that it's you by telling me to come, I'm going to come. And often we can be in a place where we want the Lord to confirm something for us, to reveal something to us, but we've not truly made up in our minds that if he has, we're going to comply. And I say that because I wonder if some of us, I know I've certainly been there in past seasons, um, are waiting for God to give us a word, to give us a sign, to give us confirmation that it's him asking us to move or to act or to believe. And yet, because we've not resolved in our hearts that we're going to be obedient, the Lord is not wasting his time giving instructions that are going to be ignored. Because why? Why is the Lord going to give revelation? Why is he going to give guidance and instruction if he knows, and deep down you know, that you're not going to be obedient? The Lord is not interested in an infomercial and just giving us information so we can accumulate it. He wants us to act upon it. That's why here at Rooted, we really push the concept and the principle that we don't just accumulate information. We are seeking to know God. And all of the studying and the reading that we do is with intent towards transformation, not just to accumulate information. And so in this, we can see an example of where Peter had already made up his mind that if the Lord told him to come, he was going to come. And so Jesus does. He says, yes, come. Then in verse 29, where we left off before, it says, so Peter went over the side 
side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind in the waves, he was terrified and began to seek. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Now we're seeing that word terrified again. We saw it first in verse 26 when it says the disciples saw him walking on the water and they were terrified. And then we see it again with Peter when he starts being distracted by the wind and the waves. So I want to point out in verse 26 that notice when it says the disciples were terrified, we can assume that Peter was a part of that bunch. He was afraid, but yet Peter was the only one that said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come, command me to come walk on the water. And so there are going to be times in your life when you're about to take that first faith step. And although you're afraid, you're the only one that's willing to do it afraid. And you have to be willing to do it alone. And it can be intimidating. It can be anxiety inducing. It can be overwhelming. But don't you dare let fear, whether it's your internal fear or external fear, the fear that other people are expressing about this faith step, deter you from taking it. Because we all have those people that love us. Uh, because it's not always haters, right? It could be people who love us, who care about us, who think they're looking out for us, who say, are you sure that's what God said? I mean, does this really make logical sense? How are you going to make that work? And they can start to really wear our faith down. And so although we may be in a group of people where everyone's afraid, and if we're honest, we're feeling some of that fear too, we can't let that detract from us taking our first faith step. So Peter was likely afraid also, but Peter said, you know what, if this is the Lord, if he confirms that it's him, I'm willing to walk on water. I'm willing to do what everyone else says is impossible. I'm willing to do what science says isn't possible, what logic and reason say isn't possible, what my past experience has said isn't possible. If the Lord tells me to come, I'm going to come. But then what happened to Peter is what happens to many of us, right? We build up that faith. We have that zeal for that first faith step. But then we get into a place where Michael Hyatt calls the messy middle. And that's where we have come so far from where we were. And we're not quite where we're going yet. But things don't seem to be letting up. We thought that when we took that first faith step, that everything was going to be downhill from there. We thought that was going to be the hardest part. And I don't want to diminish the strength of faith it takes to take that first faith step. That's huge. I give you credit for that. But I want to tell you now that on your journey in your relationship with Christ, there really is no arrival, right? After you take that first step, that's really just it. It's your first step on the next place that God is taking you. And while it takes faith, and I applaud you for exercising that faith, when you really get tested is in that messy middle, when you've exerted so much time and energy, but things may not be working out the way you thought, or things are working out even better than you thought, but there's also a deeper level of spiritual warfare. There's something else that you seems like you always are trying to battle, whether to move forward, whether, whether to go left or right. It's always a decision to made to be made. There's always something that you have to figure out, and it can be exhausting. You need faith for more than just that first step, because trust me, the winds are going to come. The waves are going to come. And often you're going to have to reflect on your spiritual milestone and remember, who was it that told me to go? It was Jesus that commanded me to take that first step. He's the one who led me out here in a place I could not have made it on my own. It's a place that I cannot figure out on my own. And if I want to make it to the other side, I need to stay connected to him, right? Because we need faith for that first step, but we also need 
faith to maintain and sustain us where we are in our journey. And we definitely need faith to make it to the other side. So this is your encouragement not to give up. Yes, you exercise great faith in taking that first step, but you need to have a faith that can sustain you beyond that first step, something that can help you in the messy middle. Beth Moore, a wonderful Bible study teacher, um, says that it's often hard, harder, hardest before it gets easier. Hear me again. It's often going to be hard, then harder, then it'll get hardest before it gets easier. You need to prepare yourself mentally for this. You need to prepare yourself spiritually for this and know that the Lord would not lead you out into the water if he was not uh, confident that you had everything you needed to make it across, primarily being him. Remember, he said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. He didn't say, don't be afraid. You have enough money. Don't be afraid. You're beautiful enough. Don't be afraid. You're smart enough. He said, don't be afraid. You can take courage because I am here. And here is wherever you are, friend, wherever you find yourself, whether it be in the lowest pit or on the highest mountaintop or somewhere in that valley in between, Jesus is there with you. And if you are there, you have everything that you need. It says, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. I'm sorry, I missed 31, one of the most important verses. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him because Peter said, save me, Lord. And Jesus said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? And that's why I love this version because other versions just say, why did you doubt? But Jesus says, why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt me? And this is why it's important because we don't just have faith that our circumstances are going to work out. We don't have faith that we're going to do well. Our faith is not in an outcome. Our faith is in Jesus. Our faith is that he is who he says that he is, that he can do what he says he can do, that we are who he tells us we are, and we can do all things through Christ. This is an important distinctive because sometimes we lose faith because our faith was misplaced. We put it in the wrong hands. We entrusted it to the wrong person, to the wrong thing. Our faith is in Christ and in Christ alone. And so when Jesus says, why did you doubt me? He's not saying that the wind wasn't real, that the waves weren't real, that the hardships weren't real, that the distraction wasn't real, that the fear wasn't real, that the circumstances weren't real. He's saying in the midst of all of that, I told you, you didn't have to be afraid because I am here. So when we shrink back, when we turn around, it's not necessarily that we're just saying that our circumstances are too hard or that we don't think we're capable We're saying, Lord, I don't really believe that you're with me. I don't really believe I can trust you the way that you say that I can. And so in those moments, when we develop that self-awareness, yes, we want to ideally say that we trust God in all things. But if there's an area of your life where you realize that you don't, this is not a time for condemnation and judgment. This is the time to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing to me that I still have not completely entrusted this area of my life to you, that there's still some some things in our relationship that I really need to work out because I'm having a trust problem. And really a love problem is going to develop, which will result in an obedience problem because underneath it all, I don't trust you. And we need to dig into that. We need to unpack that and see what is it that causes us to distrust the Lord. And he's not afraid to have those conversations. He wants you to be in genuine, authentic relationship with him. And that requires conversation. 
that inquire, requires doing the hard work. And much of that's done in quiet time, reading your word, prayer, small groups, not being afraid to connect with the church body, not being uh, afraid to connect with a circle of balanced believers that can help you grow, listening to podcasts like this and others that encourage you to do the work, to be focused on growth and to be intentional. Your whole journey with Christ is going to be about growth. I want you to relieve yourself of the pressure that one day you're just going to arrive and you're going to understand everything. It doesn't work that way. And I hope that's okay with you. It's going to be about continual growth. Embrace it. Embrace it. And when you become aware that there's an area that you have not believed God for or that you're struggling with or that you don't understand, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to dig in and ask for clarity from God. And I guarantee you that you will one day receive that rhema word that will come right on time that will strengthen you and encourage you. And I hope tonight this was a part of that process. I love you so much. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Remember that now Anchor has moved over to Spotify. So if you are listening to this podcast and you have the ability to do so from Spotify, that would greatly help me. Some of their um, ad things have changed that I have to build up an audience specifically on Spotify in order to get some credit for some of my listeners and some things of that nature. So if you don't mind, please listen to this podcast on Spotify. Also, please consider sponsoring or subscribing um, for a donation for as low as 99 cents per month in order to help just gain resources and the ability to keep this podcast going. Um, I enjoy it so much. And so I'll continue on because I believe it's something God's called me to do. But if you find value here, I would love if you would share this podcast with someone, encourage someone today that Jesus is with them, that they can take courage. They don't have to be afraid that they can also decide in advance that they're going to be obedient if they're expecting revelation and answers from the Lord. And that when we doubt, know that we're not just doubting ourselves, but we're doubting Christ and that that can be an area that we can grow in and find growth. I love you so much. I'm Shania and this is Rooted. (laughs) 